After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host. Talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world at large. Brought to you by Ketchis Law. Since 1986, they've had the backs of every hard-working tradesman in New England who finds themselves injured on the work site. You pay nothing unless they win. So get your free consultation today at catcheslaw.com or by calling 508-321-7000. Right here on Gloves Off Hockey with your host, Mike Milbury. And Mike, what a week it has been. The boys on Causeway Street made their way over to Lansdowne Street. And what a game they had. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun to be there, and um, we're going to get to that in a little depth in a minute, but I just wanted to take a, first of all, how was your New Year's? Did you go out and party, or did you just oh, my, stay home? My New Year's Eve, I'm boring, dude. I go home for those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the safest place you can be. Um, anyway, before we get to the Winter Classic, let's just take a quick look back. Since the break, um, the Bruins took on Ottawa, and Ottawa tagged them with an overtime loss, and for most of that game... At least the first two periods, the Senators were far the better skating team, I thought, until the third period. And then somehow the Bruins looked refreshed, and they blasted, what was it, 26 or 27 shots at Cam Talbot? 27. And, and he, was, uh, he was just incredible. Uh, Swayman was good, too. Give him, give him credit. Uh, and they came away with a point. He lost in the shootout. I, I give them a team a grade of C for that game. And I understand the little, you know, there's a little too much Christmas going on, but you still have to play. And they played one period and 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 the overtime before um, Ottawa tagged them with a loss. And you got to do better than that. And then the back to back of those two games, which is tough. Um, they went to New Jersey, and Berge was the hero again, uh, and took two points. And then the next game was the Buffalo Sabers, who came in on fire. Uh, they're the, I still shake my head when I say this, that, that they're the most prolific scoring team in the league now. <laughs> it doesn't sound right or feel right, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, and they were, they were very good for most of the afternoon. I thought they badly outskated the Bruins in this game. Um, but it took a remarkable play by Rasmus Dahlin to tie this game with, I don't know, it was a minute or so to go. Um, first he, he blocked the shot. Uh, it was Postonak who had a chance to score on an empty net. And Darlene got in the way of the shot, knocked it down. And the Bruins got a little sloppy. They didn't put any pressure on Darlene. And, you know, when they'd already pulled a goalie, obviously. So six on five can be a mind changer for the defense. You start to get soft. You start to think, well, they've got six. And, you know, we've got to collapse and give them lots of space. And that's not true. Uh, anyway, Darlene got the puck got just past his own top of his own circle and wired it the length of the ice kitty corner so that Swayman couldn't come out and field it. And in the meantime, it was Alex Tuck who had a brilliant game, four points, two goals, two assists, scooped it up, dished it back to Dylan Cousins, who quickly released it. It was a goal that went through Swayman. He should have had it, but it was such a remarkably heady play. I mean, I think this guy, Darlene, is going to be good for an awfully long time and this was a it was a it was a fun goal for me to watch because we used to practice that all the time religiously the cross corner dump in keep it away from the goalie and particularly back in the days of 
when I played, when Don Cherry was coaching, basically the, the play was not to stick handle and make tape-to-tape passes. The play was to dump it in and dump it into a spot where somebody could retrieve it from your own team. So this was kind of a, a, a throwback. But the Bruins got surprised by the play itself, and the forwards were soft. The defense was a little sleepy, and Swayman was sleepy. So I give them a C-plus against Jersey because they won the game. It wasn't pretty. I give them, like, a C-minus. Sounds I mean, about fair, honestly. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, the game ended. This was what was remarkable to me about this game besides the fact that the Bruins were really struggling against Buffalo. And I know Buffalo is on fire. It looks like they've got some great young talent. It's the game ended with with a play where the, the Bruins, and Bergeron in particular, turned the puck over at the top of his offensive circle. And then when he tried to get back on Cousins, he picked the wrong back checker. He should have left Cousins to, to Lindholm, who was already back in good position, and he had plenty of time to just slide over and take Alex Tuck. Instead, he made the decision to go after Cousins. This is so un like and, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to criticize a guy who's been so good all year, but this was the, the honest truth. He, he misread the play, and then he rushed back to Tuck and actually redirected the puck past Swayman. So that's how the game ended. I, I, you know, it's not something you see very often from Bergeron. And I give him the game a C minus to the Bruins. So that was that was that. And that, but the whole trend. What I'm trying to get at here is they haven't been skating as well as I've seen them skate. They haven't been as dominant with puck possession, and it's starting to become somewhat of a pattern. And it, the pattern continued in the Winter Classic. But first. Let me kind of describe what was going on there. Outside the ballpark, I was there for uh, a radio show at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I was actually there about, you know, maybe a little earlier than that. And the place was just jammed. I've never seen so many Bruins jerseys, I mean, all over the place. And there was a – the weather was perfect. A little chilly early, but no sun, and and wound up going to the low 50s. And by the time the sun came out for a brief – a brief period of time, it was too low in the sky to hit the ice surface. So the ice conditions were pretty darn good for an outdoor game. And how did you like the players, by the way, coming in with their baseball uniforms on, Ben? I got to tell you, I absolutely love those 1950s throwbacks, man. And I'm sure you saw Linus Allmark. He even went out and got himself a pair of antique cleats. He showed them off in the uh, the post-game presser, and it was just like, where did you even find that? <laughs> but I, I will say I love the shoe selection because you could tell the unis and everything, they were great. Some guys were walking in with kicks. Some had dress shoes. Some had their suit jacket shoes. I mean, it, it was, was Pasternak where he had sunglasses on too, right? Right. No, he did definitely he? did. No Barbie girl this winter classic, but that's <laughs> A-OK. Still played it up. Um how did you like the Bobby Orr in the first pitch to Jason Veritek? I thought he was in the dirt there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest. Of all the parts of that process, the only thing that was in my mind was, are we really letting one of the greatest goal scorers in the history of the game snap a wrister at Jason Veritek with no gear on? <laughs> Is this happening right now? It's happening, yeah. yep. But it was yeah, good. I, it was good, and I have to give Johnny Busick credit. I mean, he's about 90 years old, and refusing any help, he used his cane to get out to the – to the mound to start the game, uh, I, I was proud of him. And he, I'll tell you what, the, the flyover, which gets me every time, and every time I've been at a stadium when there's a flyer, and since I've been to every Winter Classic, 
Uh, I've seen a lot of flyovers, but the sheer power and the noise of those jets, the delayed sound coming in is just, and it's, it's amazing to watch it. And it caused a bit of a panic. Did you read about this? It caused a bit of, some people were just going about their business in places like Somerville had no idea. It didn't recognize the game was on. And, and and all of a sudden here comes these fighter jets. I, I, I got to share this story not to interrupt. We actually had one of our good callers, uh, Jimmy out in Somerville. He called me a couple of hours later and he said, Benny, I thought we were under attack. I really thought this was it. They were coming for us, and that's that. I called the police station. I said, you did not. He said, I did, and they told me it was for the Bruins. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, I, but I just looking up, it's, um, it's a spine-tingling event. I mean, the, the, to think what they do at that speed when they're actually in battle is just, uh, I mean, they have to be so well trained and so well poised and so everything but it, anyway it was it was great and the boston pops were great i thought uh, black keys were terrific so the music was good which gets us to the game oh boy uh, yeah um <laughs> you know pittsburgh had been losing games regularly after a good run to get back into the playoff hunt and they took over this game early. It belonged to them, and it belonged to both. Well, actually, it belonged to the Penguins and to Linus, Linus Olmark in the first two periods. Pittsburgh was, and I, I love this, when you, you're confident and your timing is good, you pinch your defensemen down on the wingers so that Boston could barely get out of their zone. And then when they did get out of the zone, it wasn't a clean escape. They weren't coming out with possession like they, they like to do. Uh, I thought they, and it wasn't just one or two defensemen. It was the whole group of them that were, their timing was good. Uh, it caused all sorts of problems. And that meant that Olmark had to be terrific because the Bruins spent too much time in their zone in the first two periods. And he had some great chances. Jim Montgomery said, could have been three, nothing, uh, at the end of the second period and that we would have been out of it, but yeah. it was, it was, uh, he was brilliant and the timing the timing is so key, and it's been the same all year long. When the when the key moment of the game occurs and the opportunity to make a save occurs, he makes it almost every time. I mean, it's a, it's been a remarkable season for him, and he had to be that good uh, to keep him in it. I didn't think Postonok played very well. He was off again. He was falling around, falling all over the place. Um, there were turnovers, offsides galore, icings aplenty. Yep. I mean, after forty minutes. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, this is, looks like they're going to lose their first home game in regulation. But we weren't in the room, obviously. And uh, apparently what happened was Nick Foligno, who we talked about last week and sung his praises as a guy that's resurrected his career and was a great leader for his previous team and now looks like he's established himself again, walked into Montgomery's office and said, Coach, I want to have the room. And, you know, I've been in that position before. And it's, you know, you, you got to respect the guy that comes in and says, I got something to say. And, and, and then Montgomery just backed out of the way. And his message was pretty simple. His, his message was, you know, let's get back to playing Bruins hockey. We're not playing that way now. And they know they can turn it on anytime, not anytime they want, but they know they have the ability to play poorly in some games and then step it up and, you know, get to the point where they can get back in control of the game. 
And while they weren't overwhelming in that third period, they got a pair of goals from DeBrusque, who, you know, just having an amazing season. But they played much better, and the fans went home deliriously happy. Um, mm-hmm. And here I am giving them a C-plus maybe for this game, maybe a, maybe just a C. Um, but having said that, they have points in 11 straight games. They're 8-0-3. Oh, they haven't lost a game of regulation in 11 games. Unreal. And, and, and here I am complaining about the team that's 19-0-3 oh, at home. <laughs> but um, that's not going to change my mind. I've detected a pattern that's worrisome for me, and we'll talk more about how that plays out in the, uh, on the road trip when we talk about that later on the show. But... You know, we got a good guest coming up. Steve Conroy from the Herald is going to join us in a couple of minutes. Um, a guy that's 18 years on the beat covering the Bruins and before that, the Patriots. And lots of things to talk about with him. So let's take a quick break and we'll get at it. Right back at it. Not a moment wasted here on Gloves Off Hockey on 1510 WMEX with your host, Mike Milbury. Well, thanks, Ben. And uh, I think... We've got a guest on the line, Steve Conroy, who's been on the beat of the Bruins for the Boston Herald for 18 years, and before that, covered the Patriots, so he's got a pretty darn good handle on the Boston sports scene. Steve, how are you? Good, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing okay. First of all, what was Parcells like? (laughs) For a kid just getting his first pro beat, he was frightening. Really, but he gave you good copy. You never know when you're going to end up on on uh, Sports Center at night, getting blown he, up by uh, by Coach Parcells. Yeah, did you? Did he ever blow up at you? Uh, not uh, not that badly uh, because uh, I worked with Kevin Mannix and he saved all his am- ammunition for Kevin. <laughs> well, I'll tell you my Bill Parcells story. I was in New York and I was G. I was, they wanted me to be GM and coach. So I set up a meeting with Parcells. You know his famous line about if you want me to cook, you got to let me buy the groceries, right? So I wanted to get yep. some ideas on, you know, how it could happen. And he started to talk about getting the right staff and making sure you, you know, had somebody help you with the contracts. And you know, he said you you can do this. I'm, I'm I, I know you can do this. So. Uh, I did both jobs and I sucked at both of them. And uh, <laughs> five years later, I'm driving down the highway in New York and he's on the, the fan. And some, I think Mike Francesa, his buddy, asked him, what would you do differently if you had to do it all over again? And he said, I never would have tried to do both jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. He told a great story one time. I think he was, uh, he was uh, an assistant at Florida State. And um, you know, Bobby Bowden sent him down to Mississippi to scout this running back, and he came back with the report that it was uh, the back was uh, too small and too slow. You know who the back was? I do not. Walter Payton. Major <laughs> said just won about five in a row at that point, so he was feeling pretty good. He could tell <laughs> that story. I'm sure you've seen this horrible incident with a Buffalo Bills player and. Hamlin, I, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'm just wondering, like, if you're a player on the Bruins, if you're Kretschy and Bergeron who've suffered a fair share of injuries and you see something like that, 
Did that impact your thinking on whether you come back again next year? You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's so much that could happen on a nice rink, and I'm sure they've seen a lot of bad things. Um, you know, they saw Rich Peverly, who you know they were teammates with, not at the time that he had his cardiac incident. Um, but they, you know, they they know in the back of their mind, you know, what can happen out there. And of course, Bergeron had that terrible injury early in his career, where you know he's very close to losing his life, I guess. Um, but you know, somehow these guys are able to to put put that out of their mind, and you know, just go on and do their job. And it's it, it, it's uh, if it was me, yes, yes, I would think about those things. But I mean. And I don't want to speculate on 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 this latest incident, but it sounds like it could be one of those very rare incidents of. Um, and I'm uh, forgive me, I, I can't think of the uh, the term of, of of the the cardiac issue. Pre-existing condition. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, it, it's where you basically get hit in your chest at the exact wrong instant with your heartbeat, and it causes a, an arrest. Um, I huh. can't think of the, the term, but I've seen it. I've seen it mentioned several in several places w- with this. Um, but you know, I guess it could happen in a lot of lot of different situations. Well, you know, I was I was a teammate of Norman Lavillier when when he mm-hmm. suffered a hemorrhage in Vancouver, and it was frightening. And you know, I, we played that night. And we yeah. we stayed up all night, and we flew the next morning to to Los Angeles and played again. I don't think any yeah. of us had any our wits about us. It was a terrible. It was just awful, and it was tough to get ready to play. I can tell you that. I think they made the right decision in postponing the game or canceling whatever they're going to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And if you remember back in, in game, uh, uh, was it game three of the Stanley Cup Finals back in 2011 when when Nathan Horton took that hit. And you see his arm go straight up in the air, and it, it, that that was unsettling. And you could tell it was unsettling for his teammates because they had a five-minute power play, and they couldn't do anything with it. And they were they were ghosts of themselves until they were able to get back into the locker room for uh, for the first intermission. Then Andrew Ferentz scores a seeing-eye goal, and the rest is history. But it, it yeah, those things could be unsettling. So uh, I'm going to make an assumption that you're just as surprised as just about everybody in the hockey world at what's happening with this team. Uh, why are they here? What What's happened to, you know, put them at 8-0-3 in their last 11 and un, unbeaten and regulation at home in the last 22? Yeah, it's. Uh, I am surprised I have them as kind of a, you know, a fringe uh, Stanley Cup contender. I think preseason power rankings, I had them 11th in the league, which, you know, other people had them at uh, lower than that, so I feel feel a little bit better about that. But yeah, uh, no, I, I certainly didn't see this coming. Um, but uh, they've gotten a lot of depth, uh, and unfortunately, w- one of the keys is going to be out for a little while. It looks like uh, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, the reports are that he he suffered a broken fibula, um, presumably when he took a shot off the, off the leg uh, just before he scored the tying goal on Monday. Um, so that's a little bit of adversity that that uh, they're going to face. But DeBrusque was terrific; has been terrific this season. He, you know, he continued his, um, you know, you know, the way he played from the uh, 
second half of last season on um, and fit well as a right wing on that top line. He would it allowed uh, Jim Montgomery to play um, uh, Pasternak with with Krejci and you know either pa- Pavel Zaka or Taylor Hall on that second line. And when they dropped Taylor Hall down to the third line, that really changed a lot of things. Um, they played play him with Charlie Coyle last year. If you remember, they tried uh, uh, Bruce Cassidy tried uh, Hall with with Coyle, and it, it was just wasn't going anywhere. And just, uh, I don't know if it's Hall accepting, you know, that you know, playing on the third line could be a boon for both him and the team, but it, it has been, and that's been part of it. Um, Campus Lindholm has been terrific. Um, you know, he when Charlie McAvoy was out, he really stepped forward and he looked like a number one defenseman. And uh, perhaps the number one reason is Linus Allmark. You know, they relied me, on him quite a bit. You know, let it, me it, ask it, you this: I, I have sure. Lindholm and McAvoy both as number one defensemen on any team in the league. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And I have them both in, in the top ten of best defensemen in the NHL. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say that. You know, I put I put maybe Makar and 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 you know Fox Makar above everybody else, but then like Adam Fox and Hedman, and you know they're in that that group. It's a remarkable luxury for a guy like Montgomery to be able to put them out there together in critical moments, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And you know, you see him do it all the time, and especially in the last maybe three or four weeks where they've kind of, you know, picked their spots when, they, when they've decided to turn it on. Um, you know, they may be down a goal going into the second or third period, and he'll put Pasternak up with, with Bergeron and Marchand, and he'll put Lindholm and McAvoy together. And, it, you know, it's, it immediately gives them a spark. You know, it's, uh, and we've talked about it on the top of this show, um, since the Christmas break, they traveled to Ottawa, who I thought, outskated them till the third period and then the Bruins woke yeah. up and I thought New Jersey was pretty even wasn't a great game Bergie was the hero there I thought Buffalo mostly outskated them in that yep. game and I think Pittsburgh for 40 minutes outskated them and Bruins came up with timely goals but it, my point is is there is there a trend here? Is there a falling off here? I mean, they're going to go on the road to Los Angeles, who can score at will and also give up a ton of goals. But um, yeah, it's it, I see. You know, I guess it might, to get to my point is like Montgomery is resting these guys an awful lot. There's a balance that has to be struck between you know the time? yes yeah yeah I, yeah, I just. Well, I mean- Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No, I just don't know whether that if, if that's becoming a factor. I mean, I, I've, Marchand, Marchand is such a competitive bugger, he can turn it on, which he did it a couple times. I think it was the Buffalo game where he had to get going and he got going. But he's he and Postonok in particular have struck me as not being consistently on top of their skating game. And that has me, despite their record and their ability to find ways to win, it has me a little bit concerned. Yeah, I mean, the... The fact that that they are, you know, playing in spurts is a concern, and perhaps it's it's just the you know human nature of where they are in the standings. Um, but I, I don't know if, if that's the case. I mean, there'll be some people who will say that uh, not practicing is 
is leading to these great third periods that they have as well. So, you know, I, they've got a lot of, lot of uh, sports performance people, you know, getting paid to make these decisions for them, and, you know, we'll see where it leads them. But, you know, it's a concern that they're not – we haven't seen a good 60-minute effort in a little while. Tell me uh, about your impressions of Montgomery as opposed to, to, to Bruce Cassidy, say. Well, uh, Bruce was, was a dream for, for us. Um, you know, he, you asked him a question, he gave you an answer. You know, it probably ended, ended up dooming him in the end. But, I mean, he was great. He was so honest. Um, Jim Montgomery is a little more guarded, and I think he's been told to be a little more guarded. But he's, I, I find that he's allowing guys to be who they are, um, letting their personalities come out. Um, as long as they do their job, um, and you know, he may not rip a guy in the pre- in the post game press conference, but you know, he'll he'll give you some tough love too. You know, like when's the, are we ever going to see Jacob Zaboral again? You know, he made that mistake. No, in, honestly, uh, I, to Florida. be honest with, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's struggled to figure it out. I mean, apparently, and I didn't, I wasn't around preseason, but. He made a very positive impression on Montgomery in the preseason and early on, but it slipped away in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. And, you know, he was. He, Zaboral had been preparing for this camp since, you know, last uh, February or March, whenever he, he started skating. And he was probably a, a little ahead of a lot of guys, you know, mentally and physically for, for preseason. But, yeah, it did, it did, you know, fall back. And, you know, he made that mistake, and they lost that game in one of only four regulation losses of the season, which is amazing to say in, on January 4th here. But, yeah, I mean, if a guy is not performing, he's not going to, to just keep rolling him out there. He, may not, he might, may not rip him in the press conference afterwards, but, you know, the player will, will get the message. Um, I'm kind of curious to what you think. You know, Hall's now playing with Coyle. Who's the right guy for the th- right winger spot? They can't Smith. What's wrong with Smith? They can't get him going, can they? Uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't know if you saw this, Mike. But uh, Hall is going to be bumped up to play with Krejci because it looks like DeBrus is going to be out for a little while. He got uh, he took a sh- you know that that Grizzlick shot beforehand, and and you know there are reports that it's he's got a break there in in the fibula. I heard it was so, a fracture. But close yeah. enough. Same thing. He's going to be out yeah, for it's a, it, You no know, it's what. it's a it's of concern. It's going to take some time. But since I've had a, a cracked fibula, it's a non weight bearing bone. It will take less time than just obviously than the tibia, which is the the one that bears the brunt of most of yeah. your weight. In my case, too yeah. much weight. But it, yeah. it's a really a, it should be. Um, you know, I'm thinking a month at tops. But you know, I don't want to. Yeah. Play, I don't want to play perf- doctor here, but. Yeah, um, I mean the standard is, is that what you guys used to give is four to six for a broken bone, right? Yes, that's about right. Yeah. But I think in this case, and who knows? I don't know the severity of the break, but I wouldn't be surprised if he came back a little early. But assuming he does come back and they resume their lineup, is there? I guess I guess what I'm getting right down to is what do the Bruins need to do going into the postseason? What? Yeah, what, do they have a weakness? I mean, you know, you, you look at how, how well they're playing right now, 29-4-4, four and, four, and you say, what do they really need? 
But then you, you think about the competition and you think, well, who's going to get Patrick Kane or who's going to get Bo Horvat or whatever? And then you start to realize oh, they, that they probably do have to do something. I would think that they, that they need another wing who can, who can fill the net um, and maybe in that, that third-line spot drop, uh, drop Frederick down to the, um, to the fourth line and you've got a pretty good fourth line. Um, whether they are able to do that with the salary cap constrictions, uh, we'll see. Um, but you know, they've got some pretty smart guys working for, for the organization right now. Seemingly are able to figure these things out better than I can. But uh, yeah. if I was to go for anything, uh, I would go for, uh, for a scoring winger. Um, you know, the, the old adage is you can never have enough, never have too many defensemen, but you know, there are the limitations with the salary cap uh, system. Right. I mean, right now, the six that they have are plenty good enough. It's just trying to keep them healthy, and they've got a couple guys there, and that Carlo and Grizzlick that seem to have a tendency to get nicked up a little bit. But um, yeah. it was Felino. They still got Strawman hanging around the team. He, you know, he's officially assigned to Providence. Um, but he hasn't gone down there. He's skating on his own, so you assume he's going to be available at some point. Um, and Mike Riley is still down in Providence, so you know maybe yeah, maybe once the, the regular season over is over, he comes up when the, when the salary cap is is off the books. Yeah, and that's that's an excellent point. I mean, they do have some guys that have played, and Riley, uh, you know, I, I, they both scare me on a regular basis. But to, to <laughs> fill in for a while, that, that would be. Fine by me. Tell me about the Mike, uh, Mike Nick, Nick Felino effect. I mean, I guess he took over the locker room at the end of the second period, for according to Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been he's always been that vocal guy. Um, you know, probably starting in Columbus, he was a young guy in, in Ottawa. Uh, but starting in Columbus, he you know he, he you know he became a leader there, and then he came here. In you know, he had such an awful year. You, it's it's hard to it's hard to be a leader when you're struggling, you know, on the ice. Um, but now that things are going well for him, he's pitching in. He's on that uh, on that second power play unit and, and doing a good job on that the net front um, position. You know, he, he's able to speak his mind and and um, and he has been a vocal leader for this team. And it's it, it, it I think it takes a little bit of weight off of Bergeron and Marchand. Um, and you know that it's been helpful. It sure has. Tell me, uh, I know <laughs> nobody saw Linus Olmark his evolution be so dramatic and so rapid. What's his temperament like? He's uh, he's a goalie. You know, he's, he looks at <laughs> the world a little differently. I what think. a way to put uh, it. <laughs> uh, you know, he's. he's, he's you know, you'll ask him a question, and he'll think think about you know what he wants to say a little bit, and it, and it makes you uncomfortable sometimes with the dead air there. But uh, you know, he's 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 a decent guy. You know, I mean, he's uh, what twenty one and one now, so he, he's got no reason to be to be breaking sticks and and whatnot. Um, but uh, he, he's fine. He's fine. Tuca was the easiest guy to deal with. Uh, you know, he was he was such a lightning rod rod in it. it it seemed like he never paid any attention to any of it. Um, but, you know, Linus is fine, and, and Swayman is a good kid. I think he's, you know, he, he's in a good position now where the, 
the the job isn't on his shoulders. He's he's still working working through a few things, and and you know he's fine as a. I wouldn't call him a one B anymore. I would call him more of a backup. But he'll see some some, some time down the stretch here with some back to backs coming up. Yeah, he's still a kid. I think he. I mean, I've seen him play some really good hockey. I mean, should have had the should have had the goal against Cousins yeah. uh, against Buffalo. But what are you going to do? Listen, we, I'd like to take a quick break and then come back and talk about maybe the rest of the some of some of the topics in the rest of the NHL. If you can stick with us, sure thing. Okay, thanks. Gloves off hockey here on fifteen ten WMEX with Mike Milbury, your friend Ben, and Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald joining us here. Boys, right back at it. Yeah, uh, thanks again, Steve. Um, listen, the Bruins are going great guns, uh, but Carolina, I don't know when the last time they lost. Yeah. Um, they, they, This kid in goal, Kochikov, I think that's the way you pronounce his name, has made a big di- – and, and he's I'm, I'm made a big – I'm learning how to pronounce that because I, I, he's going uh, to be something to deal with down the road. Yeah, he is, and so is uh, Brent Burns, who I guess has made a difference. But can they score enough to to contend? Well, that's that's interesting. They're getting Max Pacioretty uh, for the first time, uh, and for their next game, I imagine they took him off of LTIR today. Um, so he could be the X factor that gets them over the hump. We'll see. But they're a tough team to play. I mean they they end up losing last night to, to the Rangers. Um, which they look like the Rangers look like they they might be the team that people thought they were going to be, um, but Carolina, it's been a long time uh, coming though, hasn't it? What it has it's... been, it has been. Um, but uh, Carolina, they they were in here on that Black Friday game, and uh, that was one of the more impressive wins that the Bruins had, I thought, because Carolina took a two nothing lead, and they're a hard team to play against when they've got a lead. And the Bruins battled back and tied it, and then won it in overtime. But they—they they are the same tough team that gave the Bruins, you know, a, a, a tough time in the playoffs and all last season. If you remember, they swept the Bruins and outscored them something like sixteen to one in, in the three regular season games. Um, so they—they are a team to be contended with, and and it'll be interesting to see how Pacioretty. Uh, whether he he's the guy who can give them a little bit of offensive juice. Yes, it'll be interesting. He's he's had flashes, but I don't think he's in any great postseason runs. But you know, you keep I keep going back to Patrick Kane, and you keep you mentioned it. You know, you might want to grab a guy like that so he doesn't yeah. line up in a Carolina uniform if they exactly, can afford to do exactly. it. Exactly. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in a New York uniform. Uh, you know, because he's got that no trade clause. And he can he can you know do what what Taylor Hall did a couple of years ago and 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 you know engineer a trade to a team he wants to go to, and he loved playing with uh, with Panarin, so wouldn't shock me to see him on Broadway. We had Joe Micheletti, who covers the Rangers uh, on uh, last week, and he I asked him about Panarin, and I looked mm-hmm. at his postseason stats. He had one good run in the postseason, one really good run. But otherwise, he's been a minus player, and um, you know. And last year, he didn't finish well in the playoffs. Is can he can he can he be the go-to guy for the Rangers? I I think he he can't be a guy who carries the team on his back. I think I I'm not sure he's got that personality. 
I think that the leader of that team is probably Kreider, as far as like the emotional leader. Um, uh, but he's he's got a he's got a a lot of skill. Panarin does, and if he's reunited with Kane, that, that would be that would make the Rangers a very difficult team to get past. I had especially them as the, yeah. Go ahead. But I, I, especially if the goalie continues to to you know regain his form like he had last year. Yeah, he's been he he's been he was incredible last year. Stumbled out of the gate, but I think he's found it. I think he's got eighteen wins now, something like yeah. that. So he's not too far behind Omar in terms of total wins. But um, changing to another club, Stamkos is knocking on the door of five hundred goals. But as Tampa's window, I don't know, I can't say it's totally closed. You think they can get it done again? I'm a, I'm doubtful. Uh- the only the only thing that that makes me wary of Tampa is the goaltender. You know he's been okay this year. You know he's been good, I should say, um, but he has the capability of of stealing a series. Um, the, the the finals last year it, it, to me it was amazing that they made it to the finals, and then when they got to the finals against Colorado, it was simply their championship medal that allowed them to win a couple of games because I thought they were pretty much outclassed by, by Colorado. But here they are. They're, I think they're only four points behind Toronto, um, and they're, they're going to be around. They will be around. And, and speaking of Toronto, mm-hmm. um, I think they're the second least goals against in the league, or at least it was a couple of days ago. I haven't checked, you know, yeah. since New Year's. But how do you figure that? I mean, yeah. they, they got one of the key defenders. They've the Bruins when they played them the last couple of years. Huh. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, the goaltending was a kind of retread pair of goaltenders, yeah. and they lose yeah. their best defenseman to injury. I and all it. of a sudden, sometimes they, somehow they, they've bought in, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen it, Mike, in, in the past. You, you know, a team gets an injury, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, if we don't show up tonight, we're going to get embarrassed. And you know they pull together and they play better. And then when that player comes back, then they then they relax and lose a couple, right? Yeah. Um, well, speaking of pulling together, I mean Buffalo looked like it was going into the toilet for a while, but they mm-hmm. they really impressed me with their skill set coming in here um, and their their speed. Uh, Darlene in particular, Tage Thompson was a guy you like. He's eye popping now. I mean, yeah. do you think they have enough in the tank to get back into the playoff hunt? They're about six or eight points behind, I, I think. I think, uh, I think they're six out now, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, you know, they've got, you know, games in hand on pretty much everybody who's ahead of them. Um, and they're, if this kid, Uka Pekka Lukanen, can <laughs> continue to play like he played against the Bruins the other night, you know, yeah, they can. They, there's still plenty of time for them to get back in. Um, and you know, this team has been, you know, it was a, a decade now. They're out of the playoffs. At some point, you know, they got to. As Bill Parcell said, <laughs> when are you guys going to get sick of getting your asses kicked? Right? <laughs> and it kick it it, it it clicks. At some point, it's going to click, and they've got the talent to do it. The Tuck kid was a great acquisition. Um, obviously, uh, Thompson was in that, uh, was in a different trade. Um, Thompson looks like, you know, Mario light with that, with that reach that he has, and you know, 
you get a goaltender reaching, and all of a sudden he just goes around him and tucks it in the open net behind him. Um, yeah, yeah, and they've got defensemen, they've got the power kid who's you know he'll he'll make some mistakes, but you know he's he's going to be a good player. Um, and um, there's other defensive defensemen, uh, I, I, uh, I, the Swedish kid that I can't can't think of right now who's really played well for them. So yeah, Dal- I, do, Darlene? I it would not shock me with that. Darlene, you're talking about? No, I'm not talking about Darlene. There's another kid. He's like, he's he's kind of there, you know. The Derek Forbart, who's just a steady stay-at-home defenseman, who's made a big difference for them when he's been in the lineup. Um, let let me gonna, switch to the Western Conference because you mentioned okay. Colorado outclassing Tampa Bay last year. Yep. But they're out of the playoffs right now. And I know yeah, they've had they injuries. Landeskog has been hurt. Yeah. Uh, but it has to be. Cannon was out for a month. Right. So is that the answer? They're going to be okay? Just give them some time till they get healthy? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I think they've got too much talent there uh, to, to be outside the playoffs when the, the season is over. Whether Whether they've got it going this year, you know, you, you know that. You need everything clicking on all cylinders to make a long run. Whether that's in the cards for them this year, I don't know. But they've got the talent to get back there. That talent is young. Uh, they've won before. And when you win, you get you you develop a, a healthy arrogance when you believe you can win. And I, I think that you know they will be a dangerous team, whoever they play in the playoffs. And I do think they will... They will make it. Well, we've talked. I mean, everybody noticed that Vegas is near the top of the conference, and Colorado mm-hmm. is another team we talk about. But all of a sudden, in the West, there's a couple teams that you know because they're in odd places for hockey teams. Dallas and Winnipeg, but Dallas is a, you know, this kid Jason Robinson, Robertson can yeah. score from anywhere. Rupe Hints and Pavelski on his line mm-hmm. make for, a, and that puts Jamie Ben on the second line. Pretty good guy to have there. They have a, a you know, Heiskanen is a world-class defenseman and Ottinger's mm-hmm. like 17 and 6. Are they bona fide Stanley Cup contenders now? Yeah, yeah. If you think of it, Ben and Sagan are, are basically afterthoughts on that team now. And it's probably, it will probably help them produce even more when when it matters. So they're, they're a dangerous team. They're, I think, plus, plus 32 in goal differential, which is Second behind the Bruins right now, and I mean, albeit by a, a wide margin, the Bruins I think are plus fifty-seven. Um, but yeah, they are they are absolutely a, a team to watch. Um, yeah, I'm a big Pete DeBoer fan. I think he can do a good job. He's done a good job right along. I don't know how he's been shuffled all over the place, but Dallas seems to have a a good blend right now. And I think, hey, what happened to Tyler Sagan here? I never knew. What the reason was was it just couldn't control him? Uh, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, he, you know, even even like teammates couldn't tell him to, you know, cool it. You know, and, and I don't know how many times they, that they needed to talk to him. Um, and then you know, when you get the stuff happening off the ice, you know, you better perform on the ice. And right. the 2013 final uh, playoff run, he he gave them next to nothing, especially in the finals. Uh, he didn't do much for them, and and Peter Shirelli was fed up with them. Maybe he didn't get enough for them, um, but you know, if you remember, yeah. uh, I mean, they 
the Bruins got killed for that trade, but they won the President's Cup the next uh, the next season without him, and you know they were upset by you know who <laughs> right in the uh, in the second round, and uh, and then all of a sudden the deal looks looks terrible. And the only other uh, the only other team I wanted to get to quickly is is Winnipeg. Their old buddy Rick Bonus, who I've, mm-hmm. I've I've hired three times for three different jobs, <laughs> and also fired him three different times. But this is a pretty you know good goaltending. Josh Morrissey is a quality defenseman, a number one defenseman, and pretty mm-hmm. balanced offense. Are they are they bona fide contenders? Yeah, uh, I was impressed with them when they came in here. Um, and, and Jim Montgomery was very impressed. He said that their forecheck was the the one that gave us the most trouble uh, of any team that they've played this year. And you know they're big, they're strong, um, they've got some some talent, uh, and they're going to add Nikolai Ehlers, Ehlers too. So they, they've they're another team to watch, no question about it. Well, listen, Steve. Thanks a million for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, always insightful and uh have fun covering the team because it's got to be fun and for somebody who's on the beat that often it beats the hell out of losing doesn't it <laughs> yes it does you get better stories when they lose though right, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well put all right thanks kid talk right. to you thanks mike anytime AMS Practice Management is the premier provider of talent acquisition and professional services across the United States. Their extensive network of quality professionals enables you to meet deadlines, develop new projects, and propel your business forward by looking for helpers so you don't have to. Find out more at amsmanagements.com. AMS Practice Management, turning career connections into catalysts for caring. Hey, this is Mike Milbury for Ketchis Law. Ketchis Law Group has experienced injury lawyers who are ready to fight for you and get you what you deserve. They have won over $1 billion for their clients since 1986, and you don't pay anything unless they win. Ketchis Law Group is made up of 50 experienced attorneys and over 100 highly trained team members who truly care about your well-being and financial future. The team at Ketchis Law Group will work tirelessly to get you the results you deserve. Ketchis Law Group, where they take care of New Englanders who get hurt through no fault of their own. Call 508-321-7000 or learn more at catcheslaw.com. Listening to WMEX live on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury, your friend Ben. Steve Conroy, that was a great interview, Mike. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it for a long time, and so he's he's got a good handle on it, and, and uh, you know, fun to catch up with him. You know, just when a guy's that close to the team, he gets stories that, that you and I won't because we're we're watching it on TV and not in the locker room with him after the game getting an explanation. But That's right. Anyway, I think you told me we had a caller coming in. We do. Jack out in Mashpee's on the line. He had a question for you. Jack, go ahead. Yeah, how you guys doing? So I, the one thing I've been wondering about with the Bruins is mainly their age a little bit. You wonder with guys like Bergeron and Krejci as they move down the stretch here whether or not they'll be able to maintain their health through a long playoff run. And I was going to ask if you, you would consider, if you're Coach Montgomery, kind of managing their load a little bit. You see that in the NBA where they'll rest guys later on in the season. Um, and how important is kind of the President's Trophy race and, and, and having a strong record to end the regular season versus getting your, your older guys some rest and, and keeping them ready to go for the playoffs? Well, I think it's a, an excellent point, and we've talked about the – 
balance between rest and and conditioning. And you know, Steve Conroy talked about some of the people uh, on the staff that are are in tune with that. But I just I have seen a fall off in skating with some guys, so that concerns me. But you hit on the two guys. I don't see age as a factor anywhere else on the roster. Well, maybe Marshan a little bit. I forget that he's thirty two now, but um, till recently hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. But Krejci and Bergeron definitely have to have their their ice time monitored and and their practice time monitored and you can't forget that they you know they still have to get a good hard workout in every so often and i know they do a lot of this stuff off the ice now but there's nothing like skating and so it'll be interesting to see i i don't have the answer to the question um it's a good one and it's it may play out as to whether they win a, a stanley cup or not but i don't think in any way shape or form is it incumbent upon Jim Montgomery to want to push the team to get to a president's trophy? Uh, that and a cup of coffee, a dollar is going to get you a cup of coffee. It's just not worth it. And especially, you know, when you're seeing the window with these prime, prime centermen starting to close, you got to be very careful with their ice time and, and make sure that they're in good shape. And, and that's going to take a lot of testing, a lot of conversation and, uh, It'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can hold up because right now they you know although I I've talked about them sort of leveling off in the last little while some turbulence as somebody told me it was um, they they still haven't lost a game in regulation in the last eleven so it's been a, a fun ride but good question anyway I wanted to mention Ben that right now I mean I don't want everybody ch- changing their radio station running to the TV. The World Junior Tournament is going on in Halifax, and uh, it's Canada versus USA. And if you haven't seen this kid, Connor Bedard from Team Canada play, <laughs> I mean, he is he is wicked good. Set records by for goals by a Canadian player. Um, beat out Jordan Eberle's records. Most points by a Canadian player, beating out Eric Lindros. Um, he's he's impressed everybody. I mean, and 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 including Connor McDavid, who said I. I watched him. He scored this incredible goal against Slovakia in overtime in the quarterfinals to advance his team. And he beat two checkers easily. And then it was like McDavid said, I was watching the game screaming at him to shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And he didn't shoot it. He just hung on to it and went around the goaltender and slid it in a virtual empty net. He is, he's definitely worth getting to your TV and putting on NHL network and, and watching it. And, but then again, Team USA is, uh, I think, was actually favored in this game, and, and it's going to be a real test for their goaltender, Trey Augustine. He's uh, he's in for an interesting night. He sure and, is. Uh, and so is their defenseman. I wonder if they were talk, talking about it as, as if they might put use. I forget his first name now. There's so many uses around here in the National League yeah. now, but <laughs> if they were going to go head-to-head with him. But this guy is a – Looks like he's going to be a generational talent. And right now, Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus are all on the hunt. But, you know, none of them can get too excited because there's always the lottery. Imagine tanking it and then losing the lottery. Oh, man, heartbreaking. But, hey, you know, Arizona pulled it off for like 19 years, and then Edmonton pulled it off too. So what can you do? Yeah, but, but- it's a 
Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say a quick update for you. USA and Canada World Juniors underway as we speak. And Team USA with a one-goal lead off a goal from Logan Cooley. He had a, a couple of apples from Ufko and Snuggerud, and they are standing strong here in the first uh, making their way down into the second intermission as we speak. So that's going to be a tight game here as we keep an eye on things moving forward. Yeah, um, and, you know, I want to get to the Bruins heading out west. I and mean, this is a, this could be an interesting trip um, to start with. They're going to have their hands full with Los Angeles. You know, Kevin Fiala leads the team in scoring, having a heck of a year. Andre Kopitar still playing at a high level. Drew Doughty is there, but there's a whole lot of new faces, guys that you wouldn't recognize, but they are popping in goals all over the place. The problem is uh, they have the sixth worth goals against average in the league, so they can be had. And really, it, it looks like it comes down to the fact that Jonathan Quick, who's been such a great goaltender for so long in this league, looks like he's hit the wall. I mean, his save percentage is awful. He's below 500 on a team that's, I think, fourth or fifth in the conference right now. Right. And Phoenix Copley, another ex-Washington goalie, by the way. They're all over the place, these ex-Washington goalies, but he's won five games in a row, so it looks like the torch is going to be passed. Um, but it will be interesting to see uh, how the Bruins attack that. I mean, if they can defend properly against Los Angeles – and defend properly. I mean, get in on the forecheck, get some shots on goal, grab a lead. They got a good chance to win this one. It won't be easy for them. I mean, it, and and when we're talking about goal scoring, by the way, the Bruins no longer lead are the league leaders in goals for. It's Buffalo. Why? Which in <laughs> Buffalo? Yeah, it's just for me. I, I I can't get around the fact that Buffalo is that good at anything, but they, but they are. San Jose and Anaheim are next on the road trip. I don't see that as. You know, they should win those games. And there's a lot of travel, the time change, so nothing's guaranteed. And, right. and Eric Carlson's played extraordinarily well for San Jose, but other than that, Anaheim's rebuilding. So back to the Bruins, 8-0-3, and I'm worried about, I'm whining about their skating. I mean, is that, is that wrong of me? <laughs> it's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. If that's the worst that they can do right now in your eyes, Mike, then I think we're doing pretty good right now and yeah and honestly it's just it just it's it's unbelievable it really is it, it is and and you know i want to tip the cap to uh the washington caps peter laviolette uh looked headed for a pretty tough year when they had all these guys out wilson backstrom oshi still out and now john carlson is out for an extended period of time Ugh. they're seven one and two in their last 10 games they've climbed back into a playoff spot and and they're going to be very interesting to watch if those guys who are hurt come back healthy down the stretch. It's, it sounds like Wilson, who scares everybody in the league, and Backstrom scares everybody in the league for a different reason because of his playmaking ability. Right. Um, and Oshie can do a lot of things, competes hard at every, at every facet of the game. Apparently they're playing better defense. Apparently that's the key to their success, uh, even under the circumstances. And you know what? That's, that's coaching, too. You have to tip your cap to a guy that recognizes they're not going to be able to score as many goals, even with Ovechkin in the lineup and beginning his chase for Gretzky. And do you think he's going to get it, Ben? Uh, I, I, I'm torn on that one. Half of me says, go get it, kid, chase history. And the other half is saying, man, if you break the great one, Wayne Gretzky's record, I don't even know what that means for this planet. Does that mean yeah. we're done? Are we over? Is that it? No, I, I mean, 
I, I hope he breaks it. I think he's earned it. You know why I, I like it? Because he's he never takes a night off, Ovechkin. Never. It just he just he he works as hard as anybody on the roster, and I think he he deserves to get a crack at it. It's going to take him a little longer to get there, but he never gets injured, or seldom does he ever get injured. And so I think he can handle the pace and the workload. Uh, as long as his team, one of the oldest teams in the league, doesn't fall apart. It's true. Lastly, Edmonton lost to Seattle last night. Shouldn't happen. The defense position is suspect. Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell are your choice of goalies. Get a goalie, will you? Yeah. And, Mike, real quick on the closing thoughts, nothing to do with the Bruins, but can we just say a 50-year-old Yaramir Yager for Clodno took and buried a goal off a pass from a 40-year-old Thomas Placanich. Is that just warm your heart to hear those guys still at it? Still having fun. Yeah, he can play for as long as he wants. He owns the team. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. Always a pleasure here on Gloves Off Hockey with you, and I do hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. All right, Ben. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Right here on 1510 WMEX, MeTV, up next.